I don't even remember what it feels like to be happy. It's been so long, I don't know what that emotion feels like. I know what it feels like to pretend to be happy. I don't remember what it feels like to feel happy. Hey there, my name is Sean, and this is Suicide Noted. On this podcast, I talk with suicide attempt survivors so that we can hear their stories. Every year around the world, millions of people try to take their own lives, and we almost never talk about it. We certainly don't talk about it enough. And when we do talk about it, many of us, including me, we're not very good at it. So one of my goals with this podcast is to have more conversations, and hopefully better conversations, with attempt survivors. As always, I want to thank everybody who has joined me here on this podcast and everybody who listens. Really, a huge thanks. Now, if you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to talk, please reach out. Hello at SuicideNoted.com, on Facebook or Twitter at SuicideNoted. You can also reach out to us via a recorded message. You can find that information in the show notes, as well as all kinds of other things, including our membership. We would love to have you on board with that. There are some perks. Please check that out if you'd like. And a special thanks to Jane, who recently hopped on board and became a member. So thank you very much, Jane. And a quick favor, if you listen on Apple, please rate and review Suicide Noted. It helps people find it. And of course, we want more people to find it. The goal here is to have more conversations and better conversations with attempt survivors so that more people in more places, hopefully, can feel a little less shitty and a little less alone. And hey, you're already supporting us. So again, I know I say it a lot. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But thank you. Now, keep in mind, we're talking about suicide on this podcast. We realize it's not a great fit for everybody. Take that into account before you listen or as you listen. But I do hope you listen because there is so much to learn. Today, I'm talking with Matthew. Matthew lives in South Africa and he is a suicide attempt survivor. Hello, Mr. Matthew in South Africa. What part of South Africa are you in, Matthew? I'm in what's called KwaZulu-Natal, um, which is on the East Coast. East Coast. How old are you? I am turning 43 on the 25th. Hmm. How do you feel about that, man? Uh, if you had told me I was going to be 43 like 10 years ago, I would have just laughed in your face and said, that's hilarious. There's no way you're going to make it. <laughs> yeah. I still don't understand why I'm still here. Country known for many things, including rugby. Let's be honest, this country is mainly known for racism. Yeah, that's, I, I didn't want to say that, but yeah. No, 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 let's be completely and utterly honest. And unfortunately, mm. we need to get this out the way straight away. Racism is hugely a part of my depression. Okay, well, we'll talk about that. If South Africa is known for racism as much as anything else, what's the U.S. known for? Well, Trump and shootings, yeah. Yep. A country is right to the north of you. Botswana. Botswana. South Africa. Okay, such an interesting place. Really quite different than most most other places in sub-Saharan Africa. It is. It's a very strange place to live in. Let us discuss your life a little bit here today. When we really start talking about suicide, it can go in any number of directions. But I, I think I'm most curious in the moment about how you found the podcast and why you wanted to talk about it. Okay. I had a heart attack, literally on Valentine's Day 2021. And I was in a public hospital um, because I don't have you know coverage or anything like that. And the public hospitals here are absolutely horrifying. You go there to die. All I had was my phone. So, you know, I was going through my phone. Um, I, ha- I have got a lot of podcasts that I listen to. And then I looked up I looked up suicide because I was like, dude, after all the times I've tried to kill myself, I have a heart attack? Seriously? They pretty much reckoned there's a stress, completely stress-induced, because there was no blockages or anything like that. I've never had to go for surgery or anything like that. I've just, I can't go near caffeine or anything anymore like any any sort of stimulant i can't go near it which makes me sad the thing is it's like even now now i feel like i've got a ticking time bomb in my chest i cannot imagine that it sucks but it hasn't stopped me from trying again (laughs) right okay so you find the podcast 
I listened uh, constantly for about six months. Yeah, uh, and then I had to stop for a little while because I got incredibly bad PTSD from the hospital. They actually diagnosed me with PTSD. It was that bad. Okay. At some point you start listening again or you reach out because obviously we're here talking. But you have a little bit of a different perspective or angle on things. It's like I tried to explain. A lot of your stories have sort of a happy ending. Uh-huh. I don't see it that way, but I'm, I'm interesting that you do. Yeah, I find that somebody, a lot of people seem to learn something right. from their experiences. Like they get this moment of clarity or, mm-hmm. or they become a better person or something like that. Yeah. I, I have noticed, not all the time, but a lot of the time. And um, with me, I literally feel like every time it's happened, I, I've gotten worse. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's happened seven times. Okay. Do you think the people who are on the podcast are not being entirely honest with themselves and or me? Not at all. I think your podcast is very important. A lot of people need to talk about this stuff. I don't know how it is, is in the US, but in, in South Africa... We can't even talk about depression. We have to pretend it doesn't exist. If you even mention depression, or um, I have borderline personality disorder, if you even mention any of that stuff, people will run. I mean, I've got quite bad um, self-harm scars on my arms and stuff, Mm -hmm. which comes with the territory. I I never realize until I'm talking to someone and I see them looking at my arms. Mm. And I'm like, oh... Shit, maybe I should have worn a long shirt, long sleeve shirt or something. Wow. Yeah, for sure. Uncomfortable for so many people. I'm honestly at the point where I'm quite happy to get lobotomized. I'm writing that down because that's that's a pretty big moment. When, (laughs) how old were you when you first thought about ending your life? 12. I had meningitis when I was seven. It's literally on death's door for about a week. You don't get out of meningitis without a little bit of brain damage because it does affect your brain so badly and i can literally remember what i was like before and what i was like afterwards the person i was afterwards was not the happy person the happy kid that i was before something had changed it was almost like i couldn't just be happy with things like i had to question everything everything had ulterior motives and um, when i was about 12 I just remember I had a complete and utter breakdown. Uh, I fell onto the floor um, from smashing my head against the, the wall. You're young, you don't know what to do. When you're young, you're not planning stuff out like you do when you're older. You're more like, I just need to get out of this now. So I just started bashing my head against the wall until I fell down on the floor. Then I just didn't speak for about three days. My parents eventually took me to the doctor. I don't know, he was really chill about it, and he said, here's some antidepressants, you're probably going to be on these for a while, and yeah, I've gone from antidepressants to antidepressants. So that was the first of a few times. I'm not sure I've ever heard that method. Yeah, yeah, literally trying to crack your head open. Well, when you have meningitis, your brain expands, so it literally feels like your brain is, your head is trying to crack open. So maybe I was trying to emulate the feeling. There was things going on around me that I find I can't be around people that are fighting. I grew up in a household where there was constant, very bad fighting. There was a lot of fighting between my mother and father. Oh, you're saying fighting? Fighting, yes, not farting. My father would punch through windows. My father would put a gun in his mouth. There were nights when I was eight and nine years old when I would have to put my fingers down my mom's throat and help her throw up pills that she was trying to kill herself with so you kind of grow up in that environment you learn things from them Mm. all right and you had seven in total what are the ages more or less of the attempts okay um 12 17 then i was fine my entire 20s um things changed during my 20s because i wasn't around my parents they got divorced i had a fiance for 10 years or 11 years everything kind of seemed like it was going to be okay. Then that ended uh, when I was about 32. So 32 would be the next one. Since 32, it's been at least maybe once a year or once every year and a half. The last one was last year, October. 
Oh, wow. All right. So you've got 12 and 17 living at home. Then 20s are okay with the gal or guy. I don't know, but you were engaged. Like, go, yeah. And then that ends, and it's been very rocky for the last 10 years or so. Yeah. 12 years, I've literally been completely alone. I don't have any social media. I don't speak to anyone. I don't have any friends. All of my family's overseas. Where is your family? They've gone to England. Yeah. I'm the only one left here because my mom died. So. May I ask why it is that you have no friends, no social media, no whatever else, social life? You have a rabbit. I know that. Is that a choice or it's just how it is? And Just literally how it is. I only realized uh, after the 11 years I was with my, my ex that I was being gaslit for many, many, many years. You know, the things I found out after we broke up. Like uh, that she got engaged to another guy while we were together. She got pregnant with another guy's baby while we were together. That messed me up pretty badly as well. And having borderline and having a fear of abandonment, that really stops you from trusting people. Fuck yeah, it does. Yeah. I would argue that's a very rational, logical way to respond to things when, yeah, of course. Yeah, and then as far as the social media thing, I used to do the social media thing. I still do um, because I do music. I do have a music page, but I keep it very, very private. Nobody knows it's me. Okay. How do you cope with being so isolated? I don't. Well, you do because you're alive, so something's happening. Fuck it, I might as well be honest with you, dude. I'm just going to be straight up honest with you. Um, The way I cope is with a lot of medication what kind of medication uh i think you would call it xanax over there i prefer not to take xanax um because it gives me muscle pain so i take a lot of ativan a shitload of ativan to be honest at this point i've built up such a tolerance how do you get all of it i have very friendly pharmacists okay fair yeah you do what you gotta do but you're right you built up a tolerance and also i think that shit gives you dementia but uh, yeah, I'm getting there. It's like, if, if I don't have sleeping pills, I'm just not going to sleep. There's been times when I haven't had, and I've just been awake for four days straight until I pass out. If that's where my life is at, that's where my life is at. Do you um, drink alcohol? I've never drunk in my life. That is absolutely astounding. So sad, eh? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, do you have a job? Uh, yes. What, what's your job? Uh, graphic designer. You don't like it. It sounds like from that big old, huh? Never meant to get into that. It was a complete mistake. What was the goal? Uh, I was actually going to enroll as in a journalism course. I wanted to do writing. I wanted to be a writer. The journalism course was full. And my father said, if you do not do a course, you've got to come work with me at the workshop as a mechanic. And I was like, yeah, I'm not doing that. Um, so I looked at the first thing that had computers and it was graphic design. I mean, I pull it off. I do it really well. Just, uh, it bores me. Do you work from home alone? No, I, I go to an office every day and sit in a room for eight hours completely alone for eight hours a day, which is great fun. I don't know why I don't just remote, but in South Africa, people are very slow to catch up on remoting. I don't know. They think if we're remoting, we're not working. Oh, I see. Remoting, mm-hmm. using that as a verb, remoting, working from home. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and tell me again, what are your diagnoses, particularly if you agree with them? PTSD, borderline. Um, the borderline's the main one. Ironically, uh, because I have had to go start seeing a, a therapist because of the PTSD, she actually said that in the years that I've had borderline, I've actually taught myself uh, cognitive behavioral therapy because I didn't have anyone there to tell me uh, how to deal with my borderline. I actually learned how to deal with it. Because can't talk for all borderline people. Mm-hmm. What we tend to do is grab onto the first person that comes along and shows any interest, and they become God to us. Uh, we just want to worship them. So relationships can be very, very, very dangerous. If you do end up with a person that does fuck you around as badly as this one did, and they leave, wow, it can it can really break you. I I still hurt now. From her leaving me 12 years ago. I can't look her up online. I I still get triggered. But I know not to. That's me controlling my borderline. Do you think one of the reasons why people... Let's just say you. 
isolate and you're alone. And I know sometimes you just said that's the way it is. You're not like consciously trying to do it. It just happened. But do you think a little bit, because I think it applies to me too. Do you think some of it's just, if I'm alone in my own space, I control that? I think I got so badly burned. Not only, not only from that. I have a sister who's, she's got borderline personality disorder. She's also got, she's got what they think might be uh, antisocial personality disorder. My mom died from cancer, okay, about a year and a half ago. My mom was a wonderful person. My sister was so bad that she was literally stealing the morphine from my mom. While my mom was screaming in pain, my sister was just pretending she didn't have it. Like, we literally found all the stuff in her cupboard, in my sister's cupboard, after my mom died. And it was so sad. She could do that too. I mean, she didn't even come to the funeral. She was on a date, and she lived with my mom. <laughs> when people do what we say are very bad or even evil things, and you say, all right, well, they were dealing with some clear mental illness themselves. Oh, exactly. Now it gets complicated. Yes, because then is it the mental illness or is it the person? Yeah, and I think at some point it doesn't matter for me. It's blurry and complicated and there's a lot of nuance to it. And I don't think that's comfortable for people to talk about, in my experience. Yeah, right? with someone with what my sister's got, I mean, she's destroyed so she's left a trail of destroyed lives behind her. That's why we, we don't keep in touch anymore. I think at that point, you, you need to sort of, I don't know, take responsibility for your actions. Yeah. I mean, she, she's literally sent one guy. He was living with her in here in the East Coast, and he literally ran away to the West Coast. <laughs> here, that's not easy. That costs a lot of money. All right. She stabbed him twice. Wow. Matthew's sister. All right, but we're talking about <laughs> Matthew's sister is part of Matthew's story, but we're back to Matthew. How often, day to day, let's say, or even like hour to hour, do you ideate, however you define ideate, really think about ending your life? When I wake up in the morning, um, I have a note next to my bed. I have a suicide note next to my bed. What does the note say? It just says, please contact uh, my father to organize my funeral and uh, please would, uh, make sure my rabbit is well looked after because I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if I'm going to do something. Literally, it could happen anytime. It could happen anytime. You still have to do a little planning, right? I mean, do you have like a gun, mm -hmm. a gun in your drawer or something? No. Um, the way I would do it, it would, would either be with pills or hanging. Yeah, because with hanging, uh, that was that was how I tried it the last time. Oh, it's going to make me cry probably. But last time in October, I, it was a Saturday and I was just, you know, I just thought to myself, like, what is the fucking point of this? You know, I've been so alone for so long. And I was just staring at my phone thinking, like, like, what do I even have a phone for? Like, it's never going to ring. I'm never going to get a message. That's my fault, too. I understand that. So I rigged up a rope and started to hang myself. Uh, let me tell you, it hurts. I bet. Yeah, it, it really hurts. Especially because I was not doing the, like, jump off a table thing. I was doing the straight-up strangulation thing. And... My rabbit started freaking out because he could hear me choking and he started trying to like scratching my legs. It just hurt me too much that, that he was freaking out. Yeah, I had to I had to stop then because it just hurt me too much. But I was scaring him and I felt so bad that I had scared him like that. I don't know. Maybe maybe I was putting that onto him, but I felt like I shouldn't do this. This is like kind of what my parents did to me when they tried to kill themselves in front of in front of me. So basically, he saved me, saved my life. <laughs> but you think, do you think you were going to die? Would have died? Yeah, I just couldn't do it. I, I couldn't leave him. And that was October twenty twenty two. Yeah, it was around there. All right, a couple of questions. You Sorry, tried it's so weird telling someone this. Is it? Yeah, it's so weird. I'm the first. Literally, nobody found out about that. No, I haven't even gotten that far with my therapist. Because I think my therapist would probably say, okay, you're too crazy. So hanging in pills is the only way you've tried to end your life over when you think about all of them? Uh, oh, no. The most violent one was probably when uh, I smashed up quite a few uh, bottles and cups and glasses and stuff. Just literally tore the shit out of my arms. I mean, the amount of blood was just shocking. I passed out from the blood loss. But then I always seem to wake up again. I don't understand. It's like there's been times when I have taken enough medication to literally kill a horse. I'll wake up the next day 
dude, are you serious? Because I've got to go to work now. Yeah, and, and I'll be on the floor with like a little bit of vomit hanging out the side because obviously my buddy wanted to get it out. I literally have to go to work now. This right. sucks. You go back to like a mundane life, but you're alive. Yeah, and, and no one sees it. You walk around, you see people at the supermarket or at work, and literally an hour ago I was, yeah. That is the crazy thing, is that you think you're going to give off this weird sort of aura or something, like you've just survived something, and there's nothing. Nope. That's why I like some of your podcasts. Some of the people seem to learn. I, I really don't, I don't get how. For me, I failed. It doesn't feel for me like it's one or the other. It can be both. I suppose. Not saying what you should do. I'm just saying it doesn't seem like it's they're mutually exclusive. I think with me, it's just I'm always shocked. I mean, I, I've literally lit myself on fire. When I was um, still smoking, I had a, a Zippo lighter. So I just sprayed that fluid all over me and uh, lit it. And that sucks because you cannot see the flame because it's like a gas. It's a weird blue flame. Okay. So you only start seeing the skin bubbling after a while. <laughs> Sorry if I'm getting a little bit too graphic. <laughs> Go as graphic as you want. You're a graphic designer for Christ's sake. Exactly. Yeah. Didn't have enough and it, it uh, kind of put itself out. Okay. Just got really bad burns in my, my arms and my chest. Do you think that there's some divine power here keeping you alive? Because it's pretty unlikely you'd be alive. No. See, I get really scared to talk about this because South Africa is a very religious place. Oh, yeah? To say you're an atheist in South Africa is asking for trouble. But I, yeah, I'm an atheist. Saying you're a suicidal atheist. Which, by the way, is a pretty good name for a band. It is. I'm surprised there's not a band called that. I, mean, I might Google it in a bit. It might be a thing. If the domain is available, I might snatch that shit up. I don't even remember what it feels like to be happy. It's been so long, I don't know. I don't know what that emotion feels like. I know what it feels like to pretend to be happy. I don't remember what it feels like to feel happy. I wonder if there's a point where of like no return with that. I wonder that as well, because I was going to get a tattoo that had an expiration date that was from like 10 years ago. So I could tell people I'm past my expiration date. <laughs> Do people at work think you're quote unquote happy? Uh, no, I get called in often, complained that your depression is, we don't understand it, we can't handle it. And I'm like, what, what does it have to do with my work? It's right. doing nothing with my work. It's just because we have to give doctor certificates from a doctor if we are sick or absent from work. Mm -hmm. um, and on the one, she puts that I was off because of severe depression. And they literally brought me into the office. I got a shitting on for that. They were like, do you know, there's people that come in with really bad flu and you staying home because you had severe depression. And I'm like, oh, well, they're like really different things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you take any meds for your stuff? BPD or PTSD? Um, yeah. Uh, they recently put me onto Wellbutrin. Honestly, uh, for me, it's helped me with my concentration. It's helped me like actually get up in the morning. Mm-hmm like actually move because there's some times when i just feel like i mean there's there's been really bad times like during christmas holidays uh during christmas holidays we have um usually like four weeks over christmas it is the most depressing time of the year because if you have no family and no friends mm. you're literally going to be alone for four months for four, four weeks during those weeks i generally just keep a medicine bag next to me and just eat sleeping pills like candy and go back to sleep and go back to sleep and go back to sleep and go back to sleep. The sad thing is I don't want to be like this. If I could, I don't even know what the word I'm looking for is. It's like I'm a really nice person and stuff. I just feel like at 43 as well, it's just, it's way too late now. So like restart your life type thing. And mm -hmm. I, I know a lot of people say, well, it's never too late and all that. And, but sometimes you have to face reality and I think nowadays, uh, you know, things move so fast that once you're past 35, I mean, if you haven't settled down, okay, I've, I've got my partner, I've got a career, got all my stuff sorted out. If you haven't done that by 35, you're pretty much just floating through life. <laughs> I wish I could give anyone out there, like, advice. Don't, definitely don't take my advice. But, like, I wish I could give someone like a positive message to take but it's just like please 
just hold on to what you have because when you've been alone for this long, you realize you might as well be dead. Mm. Oh, I, I think saying or encouraging people to hold on to what they have is pretty positive. I think so. Yeah. I also think that people don't understand what this podcast is about because for me, and I don't, I'm hesitant to use the word positive. It's, it's not really my vocabulary, not or negative. It, it, it's just what truth is. Like let's, we're talking about truth. No, that's great. That's not great. whatever it's positive or negative, it's just the experience of being alive or maybe not almost not being alive. For me, the positive thing is people talking about stuff. The content of what they're talking about is irrelevant. Not irrelevant, but so you're saying, I have nothing that I've learned versus somebody else saying, I've learned all this about myself. Those are two different things, but it's all contained in this. We're just having a real conversation, which for me is the whole fucking point of it. And that's fantastic. That's why I wanted to talk to you. People's inability or disinterest or discomfort around that is probably like maybe the number one reason why people not only are trying to end their lives, but for me, it's just as important as just suffering. Your inability to just be okay with the fact that right now I'm suffering and we can talk about it. We've got virtually no mental health system in South Africa. There's a number that you, a crisis number that you can call Mm. and it it literally just rings and rings and rings and rings and rings. (laughs) That's like a bad bad sitcom moment. I I sit there laughing my ass off. It's, It's really funny. Oh, no, wait, I can tell you a story. Yeah, I, I got through the one time. Uh, I said, Hardy, um, I'm, I'm having a really bad panic attack. I just need someone to just talk me through it. They, they were like, okay, sigh. As I was talking, I just literally heard her start talking to someone that was in the room with her. And I was like, I'm sorry, are you, are you talking to someone in the room? With? And she's like, what? Sorry? And I said, I'm sorry, this is freaking me out. Are you talking to someone else? She put the phone down. <laughs> wow that's our that's our mental health line yeah you you actually don't want to call because and there's only one number in the whole of south africa so it's very monopolized and south africa is very corrupt imagine if you're black in south africa what it's like well if you're black in south africa right now it is the best thing in the world because mm. it's oh. the complete opposite way around now you see i am one of the unfortunate english white people you have the Afrikaans racist white people. Okay, those are the guys that started apartheid. Okay, and then I live in KwaZulu Natal, which is the Zulu homeland. Okay, things are tense. That is all I'm going to say. We had riots last year. Okay. From what you shared, it would sound like it would be better in many ways to be the English, not the Afrikaans. But are you suggesting otherwise? Yes, uh, very much. Um, my father's side is completely uh, Afrikaans. Uh, they are full-on racist. They do not even tolerate me because I am, I'm English. I have a whole other family, like 45 minutes down the road, that literally don't talk to me because I speak English. What do they speak? Um, well, they speak Afrikaans. Isn't that Dutch mixed with a local language? <laughs> yeah. They well, kind of come from Dutch and French, yeah. So are you saying as an English white person there, you're actually as white people were were a minority okay yeah and as english white people were a minority over minority i'm not pl- i'm not playing the victim everything sucks for everyone mm-hmm. but um i kind of know what it's like to be a minority you're a minority of a minority but from afar you could easily look like in a lot of places not that. exactly if if i go overseas um and you say i'm a white guy from south africa and it's sad because i am an african i was born in south africa they instantly just assume i'm a racist the people i work with are all black i get along with them great it's more the the white people and we are now like a hub in africa for the rest of the countries to sort of move in a lot of nigerians are moving in and crime is gotten to the point where no one can go out of their house after six o'clock at night so you also and you also can't really talk about it well well, i'm talking about it now so yeah the thing is it's like in america it's very different i know it's very different because obviously here we watch a lot of american entertainment the whole making fun of the poor white guy thing it's getting really old, really fast. We're two white guys talking, though. I am literally the minority here. It doesn't really go down. 
like it doesn't really make sense making fun of us here. Right, you're, that they're punching down, as we say, not punching up. Exactly. I'm literally living in Wakanda. I'm sticking out like a sore thumb. Right, whereas for me, it's not that. But, well, there's no real but, but I'll say that, yeah, I tend to not talk about certain things ever, maybe social media and even elsewhere, because like, hey, you're a white guy, fuck you. Exactly. Got to do this thing nowadays where you've got to say, but I don't mean to offend anyone. It's like you can't just speak anymore. You've got to yeah. all speak. Got to qualify everything. Got to be real. Yeah, you, just to make sure you don't get canceled. Mm, something, something shifted, and I don't know if this is actually true, but it feels like it might be true. Something shifted in people's being offended, or at least voicing their being offended. And I guess there's some good in that, right? Because you have to imagine a whole lot of fucking people were shut down and shut up for a really long time. Yeah, I wish it was around when I was young, because I got bullied like crazy. If I could have spoken up for myself, because everyone thought I was gay my entire life. Yeah, like beaten up every single day after school and stuff. And Afrikaans? Yeah. My God. But we're just being the bully right back, aren't we? <laughs> bullies start to bully and everyone just hates each other and everyone thinks they're right and now what well, i found it so strange because they literally hate us because of a war that happened in 1880 uh, between the english and the afrikaans yeah. it's called the anglo-boer war and they literally still hate us from that this is why I'm, I'm just glad i'm not on social media because i would i would like say stupid shit yeah, you would join like what most people do on social media. <laughs> wow, stupid shit. All right, some some other questions. These are only short answer responses. You ready? Sure. How many people in the world know that we're talking right now? Nobody. Did you think about killing yourself today? Yes. Can you see the note that's next to your bed right now? Yes. Will you make it to 45 years old, do you think? Sadly, I reckon I'm going to live to 120. That's a fascinating response. Sadly. So some people would be like, sadly, I don't think I'm going to make it, right? Sadly, I think I'm going to be like one of these 150-year-olds. I'm going to go out on a limb here, given everything you shared, and say you don't really have people to talk to. You have a therapist, right? But outside of that... Well, uh, there is literally, literally no one. I mean, I, I've got a phone. I've literally got a phone to listen to podcasts. That's it. So if you just had a podcast player, you could have that. <laughs> yeah, basically. It's really sad because yeah. I love learning stuff and I love talking about stuff or wanting to talk about stuff. This is the problem is that when I do talk to a new person, then there's so much I want to talk about that I end up getting too mixed up. Understandable. Now, given what you shared, do you think about your last suicide attempt or the others and think, I wish it had worked? I'll be completely honest with you. Um, at this point, I just don't think I'm going to die. It's like I'm an atheist, but I feel like if there is a God, he's like, nah, dude, fuck you. You're staying there forever. <laughs> but this would be an unpopular thing that the audience might not like. Maybe I'll cut it. I don't know. But when you say that, it makes me think you don't really want to die. For sure, that's okay. But I just think people that really want to die, they die. Okay. What you just said. You are completely right. I don't want to die. I want yeah. to escape. Right. You are literally in what I call the space between. If we want to get really into it, I believe in this thing called quantum suicide. Quantum suicide is the theory that it's also called quantum immortality. Basically, if there is uh, multiple versions of reality, which they pretty much believe there are now, then every time one of you dies, it splits into two, one where you died and one where you live. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, well, I don't feel like I am literally the one that always lives. That's why I'm still talking to you here. Very like almost above my understanding, but I'm trying to hang on. Like every time I tried to kill myself, mm -hmm. I did kill myself. But it splits into two, time, another timeline where I did survive and I did die. I think this is interesting and very much a possibility. There are people out there that hear that and think you're, you have absolutely lost your mind, right? <laughs> yeah. It's an actual thing, though. <laughs> I believe you. I'm going to check it out. Yeah. That goes with any type of death. Yeah, any death. Like if you had a heart attack tomorrow or if you got hit by a truck tomorrow, there's another timeline where you didn't get hit by a truck. I feel like I'm on that timeline. It's a weird way of explaining why I've survived all these things. I, I don't believe in esoteric and, and weird supernatural, all supernatural things and stuff like that. 
I, I mean, another argument could just be it just didn't work a bunch of times. Yes. Well, maybe I didn't have my heart in it. <laughs> maybe I wasn't trying to do it. Maybe I was trying to get as close to it as I could because I was just trying to escape the reality that I was in. Yeah. All possibilities. The way I live now, this reality, this being alone like this, is just, I don't see a point to it. Yeah. Is there anybody in the world who knows that you tried to end your life those times? No. So I do. Yeah, you can't talk to people about that. So, But I know about it, and then there are people that would hear the podcast, they know. Yeah. I'm a little surprised that you reached out, given everything you've shared. I'm happy you did. I'm glad you did. I'm not happy. We hate that. Fuck, fuck happy. <laughs> I'm, I'm pleased that you did, and I like this conversation, but I'm a little surprised that you were willing and open to talk about it and have people hear some of this stuff. Because I am so learning in such an echo chamber, I think I needed to to maybe just bounce it off a couple other people and see maybe if there are other opinions. Or it is very strange that I reached out. Actually, you know, you, you know, there's a good number of people that reach out, and that for one reason or another, we don't end up talking. It's almost never on my end; it's on their end. They get scared. Oh, okay. Who knows okay. what? Do you think if magically parallel universe, who knows what? Suicide was not at all a subject that people uh, had a problem talking about, and our culture, for lack of a better word, was okay with or at least accepted people's choice to end their lives, right? If that's the world we live in, do you think there would be more suicides? I think, personally, suicide should be legal. I mean, assisted. It should be a choice. And you don't have to justify the choice with a medical condition. Honestly, if somebody is going through the amount of mental pain that I am going through, I think it should be justified that I can buy a ticket and get out of here. Who do, who decides if it's justified then? I know, it's a difficult... And if it's me, and I'm not as bad as you, but I think I want to go, who are you to tell me I'm not... You know, yeah, some people could just be really impulsive. I think you've also got to look at people's history as well. I mean, I've been doing this for like, what, almost 30 years now. Well, I've watched two two grandparents die from Alzheimer's. If I ever get Alzheimer's, I will definitely jump off a cliff. It sucks to see them knowing that they've got Alzheimer's for the first year. They know what's coming until they don't. You got to have somebody in your life who's willing to take a gun and put a bullet in your head. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's, It's like, I mean, if you've got an animal, even a pet or something that you love so much, and that pet is in utter pain, you're going to do the right thing. I've had to do that before. I mean, my one grandparent, he ended up not being able to remember how to swallow. Come on, just let, let him go. Yeah. Go back to my original question. Mm. It's a slightly different thing. You, 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 you'd answer that you think assisted suicide should be legal. I cut you off. So, But my question was, if we just accepted it, as a, a thing, and we didn't shame people for whether they're thinking about it or trying, would people try more or less or would make no difference? Is that, a, is that answerable? No. I think if we could talk about it more, I think people would be able to make a difference in those people's lives. Arguably, the suicide prevention efforts, and often they are not much talking about it, right? But more like intense. You go there, do this. You can't do that. You go to the hospital, you take them in. Not helping. If I am about to kill myself... And somebody literally just gives me a hug. Just that human contact. I have not had human contact for 12 years, literally. Wow. Have you, and you've never thought about just getting like a call girl or something for like a sci-fi? Of course I have. Because I've got borderline, I'll get too attached. Promise you. I'll think she's my girlfriend. Like when she leaves, I'll be like, why are you going? Why are you leaving me? And all of that outweighs the need to have one night of. I don't even think that thing works anymore. Yeah. <laughs> If you've heard the podcast, you know that I ask about myths or misconceptions. What do you have any that you want to dispel? My worst thing, the worst thing that people say, suicide is the coward's way out. Suicide is not done by cowards. I'm sorry, but suicide, you're going against the very nature of your, your, your survival. And you are fighting against that to try and end it. For you to do that, it takes maybe not courage, but for someone to tell you it's the coward's way out, it's like, go ahead and try it, dude. It takes a lot to get there. And also, I just think people shouldn't be stigmatized if they have tried. Like, if I see someone with scars or anything like that, I instantly want to talk to them. And I can relate. Then the old uh, borderline thing kicks in and I back off. Oh, okay. You got this little battle going on, yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you ever, when you're talking to people, and it's, you know, usually it's sort of lighter, small talk, right? 
Do you ever want to just put out a super, what most people would consider a very personal question, but just get right down to it? Do you ever want to just like have those conversations, but you just can't? Yeah, I do. I do. Like, it's so much more interesting than you telling me where you bought your shirt. My worst is when people ask me about, ask me about the weather. It's like, dude, just shoot me if you just want to ask me about the weather. If I start talking to someone, like if you, if you had let me, I, I would have gone on tangents and you wouldn't have believed because I have 12 years of talking <laughs> bottled up. Honestly, I, I was actually shocked that, that, that this was a podcast when I first found it That's because it is such an unspoken thing. It is such a shove it under the carpet. We don't want to talk about it. We don't talk about that stuff. Or people would use it as a, here are the 10 worst ways to die. Clickbait stuff. No, no. The fact that you, you're literally just talking to people that have gone through it and survived it is so refreshing and, and interesting. It's so interesting hearing, because a lot of the people, I don't know if you've, you've, you must have noticed, a lot of the people that you talk to do not sound suicidal. I don't believe there's a su- sounding suicidal. That's a myth made by people who probably have never been suicidal. So it's, <laughs> yeah, exactly. it's not even something I would think about. Yeah. It's also, um, when I'm listening to this podcast, because there's other people that have done the stuff that I've done, it's almost relaxing. It's mm-hmm. almost like cathartic because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you feel like you're not as alone as you think you are. It has helped me a couple nights just to listen to the podcast. There's been a couple nights where um, I just need to hear somebody else going through the same shit as me. Well, the weird thing with, with me is how I am now is how I'm going to be when we are not online. I literally don't have any facades anymore. I used to. I used to do this thing that I called wear uh, wall masks all the time, which for borderline people is very easy to do because we know what makes people uh, we know what makes people happy, and we we pick up on very subtle signals that people seem to enjoy. We'll start to do that more often and make them like us more. It's a horrible thing to have. <laughs> it's very insipid. I think if you're somebody who observes and can really, I don't know what the word is. It's more than observe like the nuance in people's body language or their words. Mm. I I think it'd be fascinating. And I think mostly it's not good. It's almost like mind reading. Like that's the last thing I'd want to ever to be able to do. Yeah. You actually start to, you start to mirror the person. They don't see it, but you know, you're doing it, but it makes them happy. So you just carry on doing it. (laughs) One of the craziest things I found uh, is that when you're in a relationship, when I'm in a relationship with someone, um, I'm exactly the same as I was the first week I met that person. Even if we're five years down the line, wow. I'm still in that stage, that honeymoon phase. Okay. And they're like, okay, we need to just settle down now stage. <laughs> and I'm still, and it's hard for, for me to, to understand why they're not in that honeymoon stage anymore. And I know it's because I'm feeling things differently. Yeah, but I did pick a bad one there. <laughs> yeah i picked that was a, literally the worst case scenario yeah you got it was like a perfect storm yeah it's like i think about you and you're using these drugs to feel a little bit better and i take medication and this ex-girlfriend is blah, 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 and all these things i just think we're all just chemicals it feels like we're all just a series of chemicals i don't know how exactly how many but sometimes we take meds or booze to change that a little bit we do other mm-hmm. things to constant about flux and some get lucky and some don't. I take medication to feel nothing. That is what I want to feel. I want to feel nothing. That is what I want to feel. I want to feel nothing. Let me push back on you. When you feel nothing, you feel better. That's actually true. That's actually true. Okay. I'm, I'm just being annoying and trying to. No, no, no. That's actually kind of weird. Yeah. I have actually taken, uh, before I spoke to you, I took four sleeping pills, three Ativan. But I, I knew if I didn't, um, I'd probably have a panic attack while we were talking. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. You maybe wouldn't have been able to talk. Yeah. And my panic attacks are terrible. And you know what sucks? Mm-hmm. Once you've had a heart attack and then you have a panic attack, <laughs> then every time you're having a panic attack, you think you're having another heart attack. By the way, you're alone. That's why I've got the note next to my bed. You in particular, because you made it clear that you have nobody, right? Yeah. And you have a, a, maybe borderline as part of the equation. Is it going to be weird to you? for lack mm-hmm. of a better word, weird, that's whatever, to have a conversation for a while and then it, you're going right back to the isolation. 
Uh, I see what she's saying. Because so little happens in my life, my life is basically just a flat line. This will now become like such a massive memory. It'll become like a massive memory that I can look back on. This will be huge for me because um, the fact that I actually reached out, uh, I spoke to someone. I mean, this, this was massive for me. So this is going to stick for a long time. Like, I don't want to inflate your ego and say, oh, it helped me so much. You know, you saved my life or anything like that. Because at the moment, I'm numb enough to not want to kill myself. Is there any silver lining to bat borderline? Uh, we are the most loyal motherfuckers you will ever meet. <laughs> yeah, to the point where they get sick of us. Yeah. The thing that I can never get through my head because of my borderline, she was literally with someone, living with someone within two weeks of our breakup. Oh, man. After being together for 11 years, and I just could not wrap my head around that. Mm-hmm. Like, how? How do you do that? Like, I, I know a lot of people are maybe listening to this and, and saying, dude, you just move on. I don't know how you do that. For me, I never changed from that honeymoon period. I thought it was always going to be that way. And it just sucks. It just sucks that you can't let go of people. So when my mom died, that really hurt cancer sucks she tried to kill herself many times it it ran in the family my grandmother tried to kill herself uh my father tried to kill himself there's a reason why after 12 years my ex is still a trigger okay uh remember i said after she left me she was with another guy living with another guy within two weeks okay within a month she was cheating on him with me again Uh, i didn't even get the sense of it, it just carried on because uh, she got excited by the fact that she was now now was her dirty secret until she got pregnant and then she stopped talking to me to i might have a 12 year old kid oh wow this didn't come up in the fucking first part of the conversation it's uh quite funny because he was born with heart problems as well you can legally find out right if you want to yeah but she's threatened to call she I called her once when I found out that she was pregnant. She had the baby eight months after I last saw her. And um, she said she will get the police to arrest me. And she put some really shady shit on Facebook, which is why I don't use social media anymore. And um, But yeah, I'm, I might have a kid. That's why it is such a big trigger for me. Because my life could have been so different. It, like if I, I have literally tried not to see a picture of the kid. Because it's a boy and if I see him, I will know straight away. The, it's an instant primal anger. It's yeah. like a, it's a primal thing. Yeah. It's, it's literally comes from when we used to be fucking cavemen. And the, the sad thing is as you get older, you start to get more regrets. You know, I feel like I was like 30, 30. 31 yesterday and then suddenly i'm turning 43 you, you realize all these wrong turns you took it's not like on the movies where they take all the wrong turns and it ends up taking you to a really good place and yeah i ended up in a dead end <laughs> the weird thing with me is when i was in my early 20s before mm-hmm. i started going out with this chick this is going to sound disgusting but i was a pussy magnet and i had the confidence of a god i was very popular for a yeah. while then i met this girl and she started doing all the gaslighting things that now are common with gaslighting cutting off cutting you off from friends cutting you off from all your girlfriends cutting you off from all, all your male friends so it was literally only her and her friends over 10 years i just became this person that just did not want to face the world and mm-hmm. found himself so ugly and disgusting and yeah, it's just, it's crazy to think that I went from that person yeah. to that. I used to walk into clubs and literally everyone would know me. Everyone would know me. Where was this? In Durban. And for those like three, four years, whatever, I was the guy. I literally slept with a porn star named Angel. I, I met one of the guys that used to go to the clubs, just bumped into him about eight years ago or so. Literally all he could say was, Matthew. My God, dude, you got so fat. Thanks, man. When I think about it now, it's like, um, if I had to say, that was obviously when I was happy. I was literally John Travolta and staying alive. There are people like John Travolta and Saturday Night Live or Fever that are suicidal. However, I think you're right. 
it makes life a little easier. Oh yeah, it does. It's just so crazy going from that to literally not talking to, not having human contact in 12 years. The whole way through high school, I was absolutely enormously fat. Literally had no friends, got beaten up every day. When I did graphic design, my lecturer said, uh, where do you go out? Um, Because I was turning 18 uh, when I was in college. I said, I've never gone out in my life. And she took me out to this club. And from there, that's where it started. And then it just carried on for four years. Just this party for four years. Wow. But it wasn't just at the club. Like, even work was great. Like, everything was great. I don't know. Just life was great. I still feel like I'm that age, but I'm not. But unless I suddenly come into some free money, you know, they say life, I mean, money doesn't buy happiness, but I mean, it does help. I can also guarantee you that if I had a lot of money, I'd have a girlfriend. Basically, basically, I don't even have chairs in my house. (laughs) I have a computer chair and a bed because I've I've never entertained someone at my place. I I wouldn't wouldn't even know how to. I mean, I've tried the online dating thing. It's just horrendous. You feel like a piece of meat. It's just so shocking. It's like I lived two different lives. Yeah. This is going to sound really disturbing, but I kind of wish I had died then. Yeah, no, I get that. Makes total sense. This might sound like a bit of a weird question, but how are you feeling right now? I, I feel fucking great right now. To be honest, I, I feel like I've gotten such a weight off my chest. And it's cool because, I mean, there is literally no one to hear this that I, I know. <laughs> I mean, for me, it's like the, the whole rest of the world can hear this. And they will not know who the hell I am. They will not find me on social media, nothing. When you go back through this, you're going to hear how different I was talking at the beginning to how I'm talking now. And the way I'm talking now is much more comfortable. Oh, were you not as comfortable in the beginning? You've got to remember, I don't talk to people for sometimes <laughs> up to a month. Your podcast to me is my therapy group. It's literally like a world, worldwide fucking therapy group. We get to hear all the wide therapy group wwtg.com <laughs> all right my friend i can keep talking but i have to eat food so thank you very much <laughs> thank um, you. this was really an interesting conversation yeah stay good man Take thanks care. very much Ray. you got it you're yeah. welcome well thanks Ciao. Bye. as always thanks so much for listening and all of your support and special thanks to Matthew down in South Africa. Thank you, Matthew. If you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to talk, please reach out. Hello at suicidenoted.com on Facebook or Twitter at Suicide Noted. If you have a moment and you listen on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review Suicide Noted. It helps people find it. And of course, we want more people to find it. And take a quick scroll through the show notes. You'll find some interesting stuff there as well. And that is all for episode number 164. Stay strong. Do the best you can. I'll talk to you soon.